welcome to Empowering Homeschool Conversations. My name is Peggy Ployer, and I'm the host of this weekly broadcast put on by SPED Homeschool, as well as the founder and CEO. We at SPED Homeschool empower families to home educate children with learning challenges, and I encourage you to check out our website at spedhomeschool.com to learn more about the resources and support that we offer families. So each month, we focus on a different topic in our broadcast, and this month, we're focusing on school choice, specifically because it's School Choice Month here in January. But... Um, Today, we are talking about parental rights as well. And my special guest is Dr. Rebecca Spencer. And um, Rebecca has been on this show before. And so I'm excited to have you back. And actually, I didn't tell you this, Rebecca, but the last time that you were on, um, we were talking about dyslexia options and and teaching options for homeschoolers. It is one of the, the top downloaded podcast that we have right now. <laughs> so um, kudos to you. Um, Rebecca is just full of information and wisdom. So um, if you're just kind of tuning in with us, and um, I encourage you to stick around, even though you may not think you want to know anything about parental rights. Yes, you do. Because um, there's so many options and freedoms related to this for you. So Rebecca, thank you for being here. Thank you for preparing all the information that you're going to share with us today. I'm excited. Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me, Peggy. It's always fun to visit with you. You're so, you know, love your personality. You're so inviting and welcoming. Thank Um, you. So, yeah, uh, as Peggy said, um, my name is Rebecca Spencer, and um, I do specialize in dyslexia. But today we're talking about school choice. Mm-hmm. And um, I can share with you about school choice in a couple different capacities. One, as a parent of mm. three children, but as a parent of two children with learning disabilities. And I can yeah. also share with you as an administrator of a little Christian school here mm. in our Benton County area in Missouri. And um, I have testified before the Senate and the House. Um, during mm. legislative sessions over the past few years. And our, we've been involved in the school choice movement and we brought a group of kids to the state capitol at the rally. Awesome. And we even performed at our state capitol. Mm. So um, you'll get to see some uh, pictures of our kids there um, and some slides that we'll be sharing um, throughout the program. Awesome. So if it's okay with Peggy, I would like to go ahead and start with just sharing a little bit about if Peggy could pull up, um, I'd the like slides to, up? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, if mm-hmm. Peggy could just start sharing a little bit about, um, I'm going to share with you about school choice and what it is. Yeah. And so um, the first slide is school choice is a parental right. And you'll see the picture. Uh, this is a th- um, in the rotunda at our state capital, Missouri. And the yellow scarves, if you have seen them, um, do represent school choice. And our nation actually boasts of some of the best public and private educators in the world. But we have some teachers and administrators who um, work and have a worldview that are actually less than ideal. And it is unfortunate, but it is true. Um, and too often, the area of education sees the tension between our parents um, and then a group of professional elites. You know, we have these degrees, we are degreed in education, and we actually think we know what is best for your child. Well, that, friends, is just not true. Mm -hmm. I'm an educator as well, but I don't know what's best for your child. I, um, you know, I I was in the public school and I do not have any 
anything negative to say from my experience, but I do know that I had kids in my class that I could not serve. Um, mm. There was just, I could not, it wasn't in my capacity. And uh, so those kids did need options. Now I, mm. God has called me away from public school. I'm now homeschooling and um, I do things with dyslexia and we do a Christian school here in our little area, a hybrid model where we homeschool and then we're on campus a few days a week. Mm-hmm. And so it has been a nice little model um, for us, but that's not for everyone. So we, right. we really need to out. take mm-hmm. a step back and know that um, parents really do know what's best for their kids. God gave, I always say this, God gave the parents, the kids, not the school, not the teachers. <laughs> um, they, he actually gave them to the parents. Um, so parents write in public schools, um, you know, there's a general mindset that can make the situation more hostile towards parents and parents wanting to choose educational options. So it's really important that parents know and understand their rights. And I want to encourage mm. parents who might be listening and even teachers or um, someone like Peggy, a special education person, uh, to t- go find out what legislation is. And I'll share some resources with you throughout yes. the program. Mm-hmm. Find out what legislation is going on in your state and then go to your state capital and get mm-hmm. on the testimony list um, and testify before those hearings. Um, mm-hmm. They want to hear your stories, and those stories are what makes a difference. Yes. And Peggy, if we could so go to true. slide two, it says, what is school choice? Yep. And you see those mm-hmm. sweet little kids there. Those are some of our kiddos. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you can see school choice is a term that represents the many ways that students access their K-12 education. Um, many still choose their schools by um, buying a home in their desired district, right? Like, okay, right. let's mm-hmm. buy a home. Let's see, let's see what kind of school it is. We're if it's not in a good district, we'll, we'll look someplace different. Mm-hmm. Um, but today's parents engage in school choice in more diverse and ever um, evolving ways. So, uh, the Supreme Court's current interpretation of the federal law, government's treaty power, poses a threat to parental rights. When we need to stay on top of that. Essentially, Mm -hmm. though, while nothing in the Constitution actually grants to the federal government any any authority to limit parental rights or enact family law in the state, it's Mm. currently held that a properly ratified treaty could be executed to grant that power to the federal government in the future. So we really need to keep our eyes on this. Things Mm -hmm. are moving in the right direction. If anything good came out of COVID, I'm going to say school choice did. Um, mm-hmm. this is a great time to get involved because yes. now more than ever, parents are making different decisions and the schools right. are actually seeing the need for those. Yes. Decisions. The schools are more open right now because yes. they don't, they, they realize that they're kind of stuck too, and they're looking for options as well. That's very That's true. Correct. Yeah. So if we could go to slide three, Peggy, in a nutshell, mm-hmm. School choice actually allows public education funds to follow students to the schools or services that best fits their child's needs. So mm-hmm. whether that's to a public school, to a private school, a charter school, homeschool, or any other learning environment for the families to choose. Now, yes. the next slide actually has a video, Peggy, if you wouldn't mm-hmm. mind showing it. It says, what is school choice? And this is one of the websites I want your listeners to actually have. Um, so that yeah. you can tell uh, the different legislation that's happening. So if you play that, right. I think it's a pretty short video. Sure. Yep. We'll hit play. What is school choice? It's not as complicated as you might think. 
School choice is a way governments can give parents back their education tax dollars to choose whatever educational options they think best fit their kids. Here's how it works. It starts with you and your community. Together, you all pay income taxes, sales taxes, or both. Those taxes become the revenue the state uses to pay for education. From there, the state splits up those funds to all families based on their children's needs. Families can then use that money to purchase whichever schooling options, public, private, charter, homeschool, online, or otherwise, they think are best for their kids. An educated child has greater opportunities to succeed and to bring that success back to their community. Like to know how school choice looks today? Although it is not available to all families right now, there are four ways many states offer parents choice. Click to learn more about each of them. So Peggy, if we can move on to the next slide, the types of choices. I'll talk briefly about these. Yeah. Um, you'll see Great. education savings accounts. These allow mm -hmm. parents to withdraw their children from public district or charter school and receive a deposit of public funds into government authorized savings accounts mm -hmm. with restricted but not multiple uses. Now those funds often distributed to families um, are usually by like a debit card can cover private school tuition and fees, mm -hmm. online learning programs and private tutoring, community college costs and higher education expenses as well as other approved learning services and materials. Now some, we, covered a, yeah. we covered a lot of that in December. So if okay. anybody's watching okay. and wants to, to see, we, we talked with some ESA providers. We talked about families that had used those. So we kind of dove into that a lot and the pros and cons of it with HSLDA too. So, so a lot of content on there. But yes, those are a great option. Okay, now Peggy, the next one is school vouchers. I don't know if we mm -hmm. need to talk about those. I have information yeah. on those if you mm -hmm. need yes, that. Please do. Um, those vouchers are another option and they give parents the freedom to choose a private school for their children mm -hmm. using all or part of the public funding set aside for their children's education. And so we all right. pay, so let's let's say this. We we pay tax dollars, okay? Mm -hmm. And and the you, your listeners probably know the largest percentage of those tax dollars go towards the LEA, which is a local education agency. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what that would mean is those actual dollars that you pay every year, you those are your dollars to spend on your child's education. Mm -hmm. Okay. And those are actually my favorites. Now they get a lot of, lot of backbite from, mm -hmm. uh, from others, but for, um, you know, homeschool and private school vouchers are, are not a bad thing. Right. Um, so under these programs, funds typically expand uh, school districts. Uh, they, they would be allocated to participating family. Like if you're in a certain district and mm -hmm. uh, I want to pull my kid in homeschool and I would receive those allocated funds. Right. Okay. Um, and then tax credit ESAs, you probably had some discussion on that, I'm going to guess, with your your um, last not not much we we mostly just talked about the the savings accounts either created by a, okay. a state funded program okay so tax credit ESAs actually allow taxpayers to receive full or partial tax credits mm -hmm. so when they donate to a nonprofit organization 
that fund and manage parent-directed K-12 education savings accounts. So families could use those funds to pay for multiple educational-related expenses like maybe a private school tuition, maybe some fees, perhaps some online learning, or even tutoring. Private tutoring is big right now. Um, community college costs, higher education, and, and mm-hmm. so on. Um, now, some tax credit ESAs, but not all, do allow students to pay, uh, do allow students to use those funds to pay for a combination mm-hmm. of public school courses and private services. So let's say that I live in a certain district, but I don't want my child to go to this public school for a certain reason. So I'm going to choose um, a different location that's maybe mm-hmm. a little farther up the road. Um, well, that school would charge me tuition because I don't live in their district. Right. So I could use these funds to pay for that if I so chose. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a, just a transfer of funds exactly. through this account. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the next slide just continues. Um, some tax credit scholarships, some individual tax credits and deductions, and mm-hmm. hybrid homeschooling. Uh, the tax credit scholarships allow the take taxpayers to actually receive full or partial tax credits mm-hmm. when they donate to those nonprofits. It's very similar to the one that we just talked about. But, and the wording is um, every state is different. So yeah. it's very important mm-hmm. to find um, some someone in your state that actually knows the language, that actually mm-hmm can tell you what's up for legislation. Is it a good bill or is it one that we're going to hold out and wait for a better bill? Or sometimes I've heard whenever I'm testifying, this bill isn't the greatest, but if we can get it passed, it'll make a way, pave the way for a better bill later. Mm -hmm. Um, Individual tax credits and deductions allow parents to receive state income tax relief for approved educational expenses. That could mm-hmm. include private school tuition. It could include books and supplies. It could mean computers or tutors or even transportation to a mm-hmm. tutor or to some special services. And then we have hybrid homeschooling is an option um, where kids split their time between homeschooling and then a traditional classroom setting. Um, that's kind of what, what we do. Um, it's a little bit different. It's not really a traditional classroom setting. It's more like a one-room schoolhouse. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so it's, it's a little bit different, but it would still allow for that. Mm-hmm. Um, the next slide, we still have others like charter schools. People have probably heard of magnet schools. Of course, we right. have homeschool. That's one of our favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, and then personalized learning and learning pods. That's yes, which are a new thing, too. Yes, yes. new thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. So your charter schools are your independently run public schools. Mm-hmm. Um and they're exempt from many rules and regulations in exchange for increased accountability. Uh, charter schools receive more applications than they have open seats. Yes. Um, they must accept students based on a kind of a lottery-based system. Mm-hmm. Families do not need to use ESAs or vouchers or even tax credit scholarships to pay or enroll their children um, mm-hmm. in these schools because they are already publicly funded. So these are still public schools, okay? Your charter school is still public. Then you have a magnet school, and a magnet school is also a public school. It's just an option Mm -hmm. um, that it offers specialized curriculum programs that maybe aren't available in a traditional neighborhood um, with a public school. So they're actually designed to magnet. They're designed to attract students Mm -hmm. with common interests or skill sets. And then those students can apply and 
and then they will be accepted to enroll. Families do not, again, need to use ESAs, vouchers, or so on because they're already publicly funded. But then my favorite is the homeschooling, mm-hmm. and it's an alternative form of education, as we know, for children outside of public schools or, you know, they want to be in their own home. Families, mm-hmm. you know what's best for your kids. So most of our listeners are probably homeschooling or some type of a hybrid model is my assumption. Right. Um, and you're, you're talking about parent-directed home education mm-hmm. yes. versus mm-hmm. any any other type of education happening type. in the home that the parent isn't directing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So homeschools is mom or dad picked curriculum um, and they will pay for whatever your choice of curriculum is and uh, you know it could even be for a field trip or mm-hmm. uh, computers and devices that you might need in your home a program perhaps right. um, mm-hmm. things like that and then just a little bit about these personalized learning and learning pods these are new yes uh-huh. Uh, and that's good to talk about them because they are new and may, maybe people don't even realize they're new because they're new to homeschooling and they thought these have been, always been around <laughs> too. Right. Um, and I kind of think of it in my mind, um, since we're more homeschool hybrid model, I think of it more as like, um, you know, a, a co- like a co-op. So like uh, a lot of homeschool families will go to a co-op and like they'll want to, like maybe a mom is really into science and she'll do like science experiments or something Mm -hmm. with a group of kids on a Wednesday afternoon or something like that. Um, But these learning pods are unique to every child. Uh, An example would be that you might have some students that would use like the educational savings accounts um, and maybe a choice program and mix courses from public schools with privately tutored classes at home or even online. Mm. Um, They could use special education therapies and um, a work study internship perhaps. Some families have formed pods where small groups of children are taught a tailored curriculum at home by parents, and then they hire tutors or and teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so that's, that's how they utilize the pod. Right. Yeah. I did it 15 years ago, and I didn't even know that we know didn't it. call it a pod. We just said, this is what our kids needed. <laughs> I got together with two other moms. Mm-hmm. Um but, but yeah, it works well, especially when you have special needs learners who, who kind of need that smaller environment and they need it more tailored. And it, it really ended up working well for us. But, but yeah, like you said, it's different for everybody. I mean, you use a hybrid model and that works well for you. And so I love that you're giving us all these options because I think oftentimes we just think homeschooling or whatever choice we have has to look like that, you know, what we have to do. This is, these are the only options we have, but there are so many others that we often don't think about. So thank yes. you. Yeah. Well, and that's something I've learned too through the process. This is my 18th year in education. And that's something I've learned. Mm-hmm. I've gone from trying to make myself fit into a box of what others think I needed to be um, yeah. or what mm-hmm. they thought, maybe um, what kind of teacher I needed to be or what I needed to do for my kids. But something I've learned as a mom, and most listeners have learned this as well, is when you have more than one child, what works for one may or may not work for the other. Right. And that's mm-hmm. something that I've had to learn the hard way just because I'm trying to be a people pleaser or, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe look down upon like, well, she's doing this with her kids and that is not what those kids need. And that we have to just right. be confident as moms, mm-hmm. as homeschoolers, mm-hmm. as, as teachers that, um, what we're doing for each child is it may not look the same. You know, one kid might need mm-hmm. a lot of structure and they need that routine for the day. Right. And sometimes we as homeschoolers kind of get the bad reputation of it's just kind of a fly by night, whatever you feel like doing. Um, but that is not mm-hmm. true. That is not true. 
um, you know, some of some of those work for some kids and families. Mm -hmm. That's that's how they function. But it it doesn't make um, one way or the other way right, wrong, or otherwise. It just means that's what works for your family, which is the beauty of homeschool. It's the beauty of different choices. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. You can cater support. Mm-hmm. support those yeah. families here and where they're mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. and encourage them and equip them with what they need and not let them feel like they are inferior or not doing things correctly. Yes. Um, yeah. And kids adapt yeah. as well to encourage yeah. them. Yeah. Like, maybe that. we got mm-hmm. it wrong yesterday. <laughs> exactly. We'll fix it today. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Give yourself the, some grace. <laughs> we all fail. And yes, we learn from those things. And we, our school gets better because of it, too. And our teaching and our kids learn as well. They, they learn that mistakes are part of life. And just move on. That's right. That's awesome. right. Um, but here's a few others, Peggy. There's four more. Okay. Talk about. Four more. All um, right. Here we go. We have online learning. And mm-hmm. that's really big, especially with COVID right now. Right. Yeah. So COVID, you know, with all, especially the public schools shutting down, um, it really opened the window for school mm-hmm. choice. Um, and we have more kids doing online learning now than we ever have. And that includes our homeschool families. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have yes, many, many homeschool mm-hmm. families doing online learning now. There's a lot of different online options. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, of course, that allows our students to work with other you know, curriculum and teachers over the internet in combination with what maybe mom has in place already. Um, So families can use some educational choice options like ESAs and vouchers to pay for online Mm -hmm. and virtual schooling. Yeah, yeah. And we talked a couple weeks ago, we talked about all these different options for self-paced courses and, and, you know, other things um, that, um, that, that online learning doesn't even look same, you know, in, in so many instances, and there's so many options just within that pocket. Um, as with, you know, most of these too, it kind of depends on the teachers that are teaching it that make, you know, even like a charter school or magnet school, you can hop from one to the other and they're, they're completely different than one another just because of the people involved in, in creating that environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Um, and also with online learning, we, we have a global economy now in education and we can pull from tutors and teachers. Like we were talking about this beforehand, you know, you you teaching people across, the, you know, a 12 hour difference <laughs> and my daughter taking French from somebody in, in Japan. Um, it, it doesn't matter where you live anymore. You, you have options to learn from wherever. And that's just amazing. It is. It really is. It's really been a blessing. Mm-hmm. Uh, if anything could be a blessing in disguise, I think it was yeah. um, really open the eyes and the window so for true. this. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, and then you have the inter and the intra. Again, this is more for public. Um, you probably don't have many listeners who really need to understand that. But that's just basically intra district choice allows families to choose from among more than one public school within their assigned district. So oh, yes. This is mm-hmm. going to be for like a bigger Metropolitan like school district. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and then we have micro schooling, and it's kind of the reimagination of the one room schoolhouse. Um, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So I've heard is, the term, but I didn't know what, I couldn't remember what it was. <laughs> so we have class sizes are usually fewer than 15 kiddos, uh, okay. all ages. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and then the schedule and the curriculum is actually tailored to fit the needs of each class. And so that's kind of what we do. Um, we kind of do this. Um, I didn't know it was called micro schooling until recently. We just kind of hmm. based it off of the old Laura Ingalls one room school model of doing right. homeschool and then doing what we needed to do together as a group. So mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, with this model of schooling um, can operate either in public, private or charter schools or separately on its own. So it's quite interesting. I encourage your listeners to check that out. It's, it might be nice for moms that need have multiple kids that need a little break, you know? Right. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. so, and then we have town tutoring. Have you heard of hmm. town tutoring? I haven't heard of that either. I know I was looking through your list. And I'm like, I hope she explains these because I've never seen these before. <laughs> so these, are, these are new. These are new pop-ups. So wow. generally, maybe they're not new. Let's just say we've maybe mm -hmm. put a name to them. So yeah. like you said, mm -hmm. you've done this years ago. Mm -hmm. It just didn't have the name. Didn't it? Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so town tutoring is going to allow students to live in towns that um, maybe don't have district public schools to receive their per pupil education tax dollars to pay that tuition oh, in a neighboring okay. town's public school or a private school of their choice. So uh, sometimes maybe even across state lines for families hmm. who live like close to a state border. Um, oh, yeah. Like in Missouri, okay. we have Kansas City, Missouri, and then we have Kansas City, Kansas. Right. That's very confusing in itself. But <laughs> <laughs> yes. So this, um, so these schools actually function like a school voucher, um, and only a okay. handful of rural states in the Northeast use this right now. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Well, they have small states too, so the boundaries are, you know, mm -hmm. kind of crazy already. So I, I can see that making sense because you could drive from one state to another in, in less than 30 minutes. So, right. yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, in your next slide, it says school choice dashboard. Yeah. Um, I just put on here, I just want your listeners um, and viewers to have this resource. Um they can go to www.edgehoist.org. Um, there is just a plethora of information on that website. You can yes. see which mm -hmm. states have which types of school choice, how many families are participating. You can see how much money students can get. Um, and you can find all that on the dashboard. Now, the next slide actually is a slide of um, the states. And it may or may not pop up. There's like little dots that pop up, but it might not since it's not live. Yeah, I didn't, didn't that's see okay. it. We'll just that. go to the next slide. Okay. Um, and you know what? We, I know you're, you're going to be needing to take a break soon, aren't you, Peggy? I'm a what? Are you going to need to be taking a break, a commercial break soon? No, actually, we I don't just, have a sponsor for this. Um, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I just didn't want to get into something where it's kind of lengthy and then have to have a break. So, no, uh -uh. okay. Okay. So this is a big topic and um, I'll talk quite a bit about this, but this is kind of a synopsis. Um, we get a lot okay. of questions about our school choice programs legal and you probably have already had right. someone yes. address this. Mm -hmm. um, but the short answer is yes, they are legal. <laughs> school mm -hmm. choice is absolutely constitutional at the federal level and in most states, but I do want to talk about the Espinosa case. Have you heard about this case? No, I have not. Okay. I, I may, may have, but I may not be familiar with the name of it. And this is an important case for people that keep listening. Okay. <laughs> um, 
uh, the listeners just keep, and get involved. I want to encourage everyone, whether you're a parent, it doesn't matter if you're a homeschool parent, if you're a teacher, if you're in a public school, maybe you're listening, Christian school listening, just everybody needs to get involved. And right now, um, if you listen to any headlines whatsoever, which I try to stay out of news because it's depressing, yeah. um, but we know we know that um, our national education boards and um, our unions, our teachers unions are not, um, how do we say this in a nice way? Um, they're not doing what's best for kids. Mm -hmm. um, and we know that um, they've literally come out and said that um, they, know, they know what's best for kids. And so we began the program with saying, well, parents actually knows what's best for kids. So it's a um, definitely um, definitely some tension there. I think we're yeah. going to be seeing that in this coming year. I think we're going to be some things see some things coming down the pipeline with this um, as yeah. parents. It's yeah. that fight for funding that it just the the schools are realizing that so much money is disappearing because of these choices, and parents making other choices because you know the they're they're having to for their kids to just have school success and educational success. And yeah, it's unfortunate that it's what it's all about. It's sad. But um, I really love what the Founding Fathers say, and I, I love studying the Founding Fathers. And um, mm. we actually did a study with biblical citizenship, and we did a study with our kids of American mm. heritage. And, um, you know, that's a hot topic right now, too, is, um, well, you know, American supremacy. And if we study the beginnings of America, we know the American story. Um, a great book is by David and Tim Barton, but we know the American story, the beginnings and that, you know, we, our founders were not perfect. They were fallen mm -hmm. men. They were fallen men. Yes. Uh, they were sinful and um, God used them. God mm -hmm. used them. And we know that they were, um, you know, a prep, they, they removed themselves from a bad situation in England. And, um, you know, it basically had to do with not being able to worship um, like they, they, they wanted to and um, the one true God. And, and so the story goes on and on and on. But just to get on topic, we know that our founding fathers gave us the First Amendment. And when they mm -hmm. gave us the First Amendment, they wanted to make sure that the federal government could not set up a single denomination as mm -hmm. the national denomination. Right. The provision in front of the court is called the Blaine Amendment. Now, we have this in Missouri, and I can't remember if it's all states or not. I really can't recollect that. Hmm. This reason, this Blaine, it came up a lot when I was testifying in the Senate and the House hearings. Um, uh, it, they would say the Blaine Amendment. You know, we can't okay. take any funding. It, it's a really bad amendment. Um, they've been trying to, um, you know, discredit it and get rid of it for a long time. So we're, we're hoping mm -hmm. it does. This provision in front of the court is called the Blaine Amendment. And it was actually passed in 1876 to make sure that um, Catholics, unfortunately, could not get controlled education, everything by a Catholic school. So they wanted wild Catholic mm -hmm. One, they didn't want it to, you know, if you were Methodist, then you should be able to receive Methodist or Baptist or, you know, just not one universal mm -hmm. school. So, so the courts over the years have said, well, okay, 
instead of Catholics, let's just say a religious school. So that's different. Well, they just mm-hmm. didn't want one denomination running everything. So they didn't care if all denominations had a seat at the table. And that's right. what this is about. There was never, it was never designed to make it unconstitutional for everyone to have a seat at the table. School choice is constitutional at the federal level and in most most states, as okay. long as policies and programs are designed properly. The mm-hmm. U.S. Supreme Court has made it clear uh, that the public funding can be allocated to a family to spend on a child's K-12 schooling, including faith-based education. Now, some mm-hmm. states have constitutional language that prohibits that use of taxpayer dollars to support Right, because education is mandated by the state level and the federal funding. Yeah, they can sometimes have leeway with that. Yeah. Yes. So those provisions have been challenged federally and at the state level. And it's also worth noting that the founding fathers largely promoted the use of the Bible at schools. And so, um, you know, the guys who, the, the same guys who wrote the Constitution uh, when they were leaders under the Constitution, whether they were presidents or whether they were governors or whether they were congressmen, women, senators, um, mm-hmm. you know, they're all now back at their states. And when you want something to add, you know, that we, we were talking about the, I don't know if I'm saying it correctly, it's the Espionosa case. I mean, maybe, you know, it's um, the U.S. Supreme Court this year, it's a case that's going to be heard about school choice. So right now at this point, we have somewhere between 37 and 40 states in the United States that um, will, so, so we allow school choice. It is constitutional, but we have, um, we want the court to interpret where we have all 50 states that can allow school choice for mm-hmm. our children. Um, and like we talked earlier before the program, Peggy, in Missouri, I'm at I'm in Missouri, and we are kind of slow to the drawing board when it comes to school choice. Mm-hmm. It has kind of been the sacred cow in our state for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those don't touch. We're not going there, right? Um, yeah. Sometimes and, depends on how strong your 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 teachers union is. <laughs> is what exactly I've learned. Right. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. Um, and um, I have in. in the conversations that I've been trying to have have been just peaceful, and um, I have friends in the public sector, love them, they're great teachers, but I, I really try to convey the message that, um, you know, I'm great, I'm so thankful that works for you, but it doesn't mm-hmm. work for me, and I have two kids that would be completely gone through the cracks if they were in the system. Right. Um, yeah, it's those personal stories. I mean, it's it's so easy to look at, at things when, you know, we can we can just say, well, this this would just make much more sense on an administrative level, um, on a money handling level. But when you get down to the kids, like you said, that fall between the cracks there, there has to be more choices yeah. for those kids. And yeah. 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 So yeah, like share your personal stories. That's why you said testify <laughs> because that is what is going to make a difference. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, so um, what happened in this case is we, we have a Supreme, the Supreme Court from Montana. Uh, okay. The state of Montana said, you know, you can actually use some of your tax dollars to choose the school that you want and you can take those tax dollars and you can choose what school you want to go to. And the court said, no, no, no. You can't do that because people might take their tax dollars and then 
go to these better schools and then we're going to have better scores um, and, mm. and it might be these Christian schools. So if you're going to go to Christian schools, then we're going to discriminate against you. So you can use dollars, but you can't go to a Christian school to do so. Okay. Um, so mm. that was, that happened in Montana. Um, so anyway, we just need to be praying right now that we make some headway. Uh, we keep making headway in, um, right. yeah, in, in these, uh, areas, um, mm. for parental rights, um, you know, we don't want it to become hostile. Uh, anything to become hostile towards parents that mm-hmm. are wanting what's best for their children. We want them to be able to choose. Um, you know, it's important that parents have those rights for their children. And right now, Peggy, exactly. as we were talking uh, before the program, you know, um, I specialize in working with kids with dyslexia and learning disabilities and um, mm-hmm. specifically reading, reading disabilities. Yeah. Um, and the public schools... Um, can't uh maybe some can but the ones that at least with the kids that i've been working with um can't diagnose um and don't really have they're not set up to mm-hmm. have what is needed to help those children right um, yeah it's not do- considered within the the plane of the approved um disabilities that and i think they do it i'm not sure if it's done by state or by district but I, I've heard it through many parents, though the dyslexia, especially. If you, if you, um, there's very few options. They'll maybe give them one-on-one teaching once a week, and that's the accommodation. And the, but that's it. And I'm sure from your perspective, that's probably not enough. <laughs> no, no, it's not enough. Um, and you know, the, there's so many things coming up right now. Um, that are, you know, I, we said earlier that the Bible was actually in the early years, it was the foundation of curriculum. They used mm-hmm. it. They were afraid actually to adopt any other books because they were afraid the children wouldn't read their Bible. They were afraid it, the other books, quote unquote, would, would take over, mm-hmm. um, including even um, the Blue Rex Feller, um, not yeah. to. Uh, so it, it's the recent, the, the history is interesting. The, the mm. uh, educational history is very, very interesting of what it was. And then um, as we um, continued in our progressive educational system, mm-hmm. uh, but it is worth noting that the founding fathers largely did promote that use of the Bible in their schools, in the mm-hmm. schools when they were public and, and um, because it was the basis of moral, you know, it was the moral basis exactly. of morality. Mm-hmm. Um, it was basis of morality and that republics only work if you have moral people. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. which is why George Washington in his farewell address, he was talking about religion, morality, it absolutely had to be part of our nation if we were going to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the notion of not having the training of youth and biblical morality is something the founding fathers largely supported. Um, and so it's really hard to argue that it's unconstitutional whenever the guys who wrote it gave us the Constitution and supported its very position. Right. So um, so anyway, that's that's some of the, you know, the basics. Um, 
Now, if we go, any questions on that or I don't know. Um, we didn't, we didn't have any questions from our viewers, but you know, if you're watching and you have some, um, a question or a comment, um, definitely feel free to put that in the feed. Um, I, it is, it's interesting. I, I really encourage you if you like history um, to go back through our educational history um, because a lot of things, and I told Rebecca, I was giving a talk last night just on the history of special education last night at an online conference. And things have changed so dramatically not so long ago. You know, the, the very first, um, I, I realized the, the year I entered kindergarten, okay, I, I'm going to date myself, 1975, I'm 51, um, was the first year that kids with special needs were, were given the, the freedom to come to school. Before that, there, there was no mandates that said that they even had access to schools. And that's only in my lifetime. Yet I look back and I think, well, that's always been. It hasn't, and it has been recent. And so a lot of these changes we think have been around forever within our schools have not. And so, um, like Rebecca's telling you, look at the history. See how dramatically things have changed so quickly. Why have they changed? The legislation behind them the people groups behind that legislation, because that's gonna show you a lot about what's been happening in our country um, and why you need to take advantage of your choices. Because um, by not knowing your options, you're, you're not doing a service to your children, your family. Yes, that's right, Peggy. Thank you for capitalizing on that. Um, and Peggy, if we go to the next slide, I'm mm -hmm. about finished with my slides here. I just have a couple more. Um, some resources. So parents oh, yeah. will say, well, how how do you know? How, how do you find out what's going on? Well, it's it's really not hard. You do not need to be an expert in school choice. You do not mm -hmm. need to be a guru. You do not need to write a report. You just need to be involved. Um, right. Whenever we were at the Capitol, um, we've been there several times. We would... After we would do our rally and our kids would perform, we would take the kids and we would go around to, we would find our senators and our representatives. Mm -hmm. And then we would also go ahead and talk to ones that maybe weren't in our district, but just let mm -hmm. them see our faces. Let them see that we yes. are people. We are human too. And we want what's best for our kids. We're not just out here trying to you know, squash our kids' dreams. We are, we right. really want what's best for our kids. And we need you mm -hmm. to see that. We need you to see that a system is not what's best for all of our kids. Mm -hmm. And just to get them to feel that realness and the authenticity of conversation, um, we have found right. valuable. So so go to maybe contact um, your, maybe there's a Christian school in your area, or maybe mm -hmm. there's a homeschooled mom that is really on top of her game. Um, it seems like there's at least somebody within your local Christian school that knows what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, at least for me, it seems like that. Um, I have someone that I talk to on a regular basis. She's very involved, and that's how I know what's happening is because she's very involved. Um, yeah, and that's then a she's great idea. All of the mm -hmm. emails. So we're just trying to right. stay in that loop. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, find somebody who's passionate, and you can share their <laughs> they they can their passion can rub off on you <laughs> when you exactly. don't have enough time. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yes, and so um, so contact somebody at your local school, I would say that's, that's step one, um, contact someone, see how you can get involved because homeschoolers need to go to these rallies too. 
Mm -hmm. homeschool is not just for, we have all these options. We just discussed probably 10 options. Um, Mm -hmm. Go, go to these rallies. Um, Go to get your name on the list to testify. Um, Whenever I was testifying before the Senate and House, we heard from, um, I was testifying as a parent. Um, One time I testified as an educator. I heard from, uh, there was a, a lady who was testifying. She was actually in the public school. She was a special education teacher. She had one of her children in the public school, but she had a special needs child who she was sending to a private school. And she was testifying mm-hmm. before, I think it was the house on this hearing about how we could, she could not put both her children in the same school because they did not meet both of their needs. And it was a beautiful mm-hmm. testimony. Um, so just to hear those testimonies, I would encourage you to write your testimony, write what's mm-hmm. working for your family and why you need your dollars to go um, go to your family. Now, something else mm-hmm. I'll say, I, I've heard a lot of this. I've heard, well, do we really want to take the government dollars because we don't want them involved in our education? And you probably heard that before, Peggy. Yeah, I have. Mm-hmm. And my answer to that is, remember, we went back to our founders. We went back to the beginnings. Mm-hmm. It wasn't their right anyway. It never exactly. was. It was mm-hmm. never meant for them to be in charge. So it's, it's really not constitutional for the state to be involved. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if you, so it's um, an HSDLA, I think what is the main one. And I, and I like them. It's just that I do hear from parents that are discouraged of even trying to get involved because they don't want, by them taking any dollars, they don't want the entity to tell them what they need to do. And I get that. I totally mm-hmm. understand that. But it's, that's not, they're not really in their power anyway. So we need to really get back to the very beginning of the founders. We need to get back to what was meant. Uh, why, why did they leave out education? What's the why behind that? Well, the why behind that was because it wasn't ever meant for the state to be in control of it. It, it was something that the township took over. They hired the local teacher and they brought them in. And it, it again, it is a very recent development that states and the federal government have got involved in education. And, and you had to keep it local because that's where, I mean, if you've had, have any of you gone to your local school board meeting, even as a, as a homeschool parent, it is eye-opening to see what's going on in your schools. I just encourage you, if you have the time to do that um, and, and, and just be a fly on the wall, hear what they're talking about. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. Because um, if you go to a local school board meeting, and um, you might be hearing things like the CRT and things like that are being taught. The likelihood of your kids being in that same community as kids that are in the public school are probably highly likely, whether that be um, maybe just out you know, at the park or maybe a ball game. Mm-hmm. They're going to run into each other, some like maybe right. at church. Even at church, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so, so we need to know what, what's being discussed, what, what's going on inside the walls, things like that. So. So just stay informed, stay connected, get involved. And so, um, you know, these are your responsibilities as a parent. Um, Know your legal rights. You have rights. You need to know those. Sign up for those newsletters. Sign up for those broadcasts. If you go to, um, I have. And I love this list that you have. Okay, good. Maybe they can (laughs) screenshot it. Uh, Wallbuilders.com radio. That's David and Tim Barton. And they are phenomenal when it comes to knowing your founding history. Mm-hmm. Um, just you can click on their website, you can go to radio, and you can go find everything they have on education. 
Uh, you can go be a difference maker and do biblical citizenship. Why you need to vote, why you need to go to board meetings, like Peggy said, mm-hmm. um, why you should be involved in your child's education, which you are, if you're here, you're involved, mm-hmm. but, but going to the Capitol, you know, getting involved in that legislation. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, um, edgechoice.org is a, I would go ahead and yes. bookmark that on your computer. And mm-hmm. then I would also bookmark uh, parentalrightsfoundation.org on your computer. Yeah. And then I gave you Kimberly Gill. Uh, her is Dr. Kimberly Gill. Um, she is my contact. She's at Summit Christian Academy. I asked her permission before I put okay. her in here. <laughs> I said, may I please give your info? Because she is mm. the guru on school choice legislation. Um, and so uh, you just email her and, um, and uh, she'll get you hooked up. So she, Dr. Gill, she's at Summit Christian Academy, and that's in Lee Summit, Missouri. And she actually wrote her dissertation on school choice. So she knows mm. her, she knows her stuff. Um, so contact her. Any of these websites are great ones. Um, and I'll, I'll put all of those with links into okay. the YouTube feed um, later on today or tomorrow. That, so you'll have that um, to be able to just click on those instead of having to enter them in. Great. And the last slide, Peggy, is just my contact. Um, Yes, I'd love for you to talk about what you do and how our our viewers can connect with you. Yeah, so um, they probably already know that I have this little ministry called Cherish Children Ministries. Mm -hmm. And I specialize in, um, you know, kids with dyslexia, ADD, ADHD, autism, and other spectrum disorders, but really hone in on dyslexia and reading disabilities. Um, And something new that we've started this year, we've had parents reach out. Um, saying, will you please offer tutoring? So okay. we do now offer tutoring services. So I actually have some slots. My kids are a little bit older now mm-hmm. and they don't need as much of me. Um, I did get my work done with the kids, my two struggling learners this morning. They work better in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, so it has opened up some time for me during the day uh, where oh. I can offer tutoring. So I am available for that. They can just go to my website and sign up for a tutoring session. Um and that's www.cherishchildrenministries.org. Yes. Um, and then also something new we're doing is cons- we're, we're doing um, consultation services for teachers and for schools. So I actually met with okay. um, superintendents this year, and um, I'm going to be helping them with aligning their curriculum and just doing some teacher mm. training on how can we help these teachers teach these kids um, with reading disabilities. Mm-hmm. So that could be maybe there's a homeschool moms group, maybe right. there's yeah. a private school yep. group, maybe mm-hmm. there are public school teachers. Um, so we're offering those things just to help um, consultations for our schools. Um, get get our kids, you know, just get our kids um, reading and being confident mm-hmm. and cherishing where they are. Um, and part of that ministry is that um, we actually share. I like Peggy said earlier, um, actually share with families that are missionaries across the globe. Mm -hmm. So I'm actually um, tutor and help kids that are 12 hours time difference away from us. So it's been a lot of fun. It's been a huge blessing um, Mm -hmm. to bless them in that way. So Mm -hmm. yeah, just message me or um, I usually try to respond within 24 hours. You know, I don't have kids Mm -hmm. in the background. (laughs) That's Um, awesome. Yeah. Well, well, that yeah, that, such good information to to have, and I, I I think you know oftentimes we we make a choice, 
Um, and we feel like we only have the, the public school, private school, homeschool options. So uh, thank you for, for diving into just the nuances that each of those options have, um, because we, we tend to forget those. And I know just talking with the HSLDA lawyers in the last year, that laws have been changing so fast in states to open up new doors for school choice that they can't even keep up with what's going on. And plus you've got 50 states and all of these legislations happening. Um, it, it's just crazy. And, and so, um, so yeah, where, whatever state you live in, like Rebecca was talking about, um, see, connect with your state organization, see what's going on as far as legislation goes, get involved. Um, and, and then figure out what works best for your family. There is no one way. Um, and if you have to rewatch at the beginning, you know, what are all those, those little nuances, those different options? And, um, and do we have, I, I know you talked a little bit about the, um, the funding, but, um, but again, the, the restrictions, the, um, the responsibilities for parents within those are going to be different from every state as well. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. That is correct. Every state is different. Um, so you really need to figure out um, what your state is doing, what's up for legislation, what's been passed, how do you mm -hmm. access those funds, and something else to be aware of. Sometimes legislation has been passed under one name, and then they will change yes. the name. So you want to make sure you stay on top mm -hmm. of Maybe there was a bill that was passed and then um, five years ago, and then they changed the name. That money, mm -hmm. those allocations, um, they're, they're available, but you don't know how to figure out what they are. You just go to your, right. go to the, um, the Edge Choice website, mm -hmm. and then it will tell you what is available for each state and then figure out, oh, that's, okay, that was, that's a new name. It was this, and it's changed this. So, Exactly. Um, it is. Mm -hmm. It's kind of mind boggling to try to stay on top of it. But if you have five minutes, just five yeah. minutes um, will be helpful just to figure out what's going on. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for. Yeah. That EdChoice site, they, they do. They're very comprehensive in what they have on there. And they, they do. Because, yeah, Florida changed the name of their ESA just this last year. And even the person who I had on that was representing it. She sometimes called it the old name and then, or they call it formerly named as, <laughs> because if you do internet searches, it still brings up the old name too, because it's so new. Um, so, so yeah, things are changing quickly and, um, and we have a lot to be thankful for that they are changing um, because parents do have more options. And so, um, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Rebecca. I appreciate your time, your your wisdom in all of this, and just your willingness to to go out and be advocate for, um, I know, in your state. Um, and in my state, I find myself reading through a lot of legislation. The Texas Homeschool Coalition actually sends every special needs law my way to read through. <laughs> so, and it was a lot this year. And they changed wording. Like, again, you said naming. And um, I don't know exactly what the meaning, reasoning behind all that was, um, but it's it's good to, to dive in. All of that stuff is publicly accessible to you, um, so so definitely um, see what what you can do to um, to to do your part. I guess that's all we can do. <laughs> and yeah, and and sometimes you know when we have special needs kids, we can't do a whole lot. But um, I know you'd agree with me. We can pray. Um, afraid that our protection, our parental rights are protected 
and that um, we can raise our kids the way God um, desires that we raise them. Well, I'm, this was wonderful, Rebecca. I loved having you on again. And like I had said at the beginning, um, Rebecca did a, an interview with me. I'm thinking it was October, but, you know, it seems like the months go so fast. But we did one on dyslexia, testing, and teaching options for homeschooling. And that's one of the most popular podcasts we have right now. So if, um, if you check out Empowering Homeschool Conversations, um, dig through our, our podcast list and, and download that one, too, because um, she has so much to share in, in that. And, um, yeah, you just always surprise me. <laughs> well, thanks for having me, Peggy. It's a pleasure. Yeah, yeah, it was great having you, too. And I thank you for our audience for joining us. I see we... we We've had a couple people hanging out with us. Um, no questions, but but that's okay. It's sometimes you just like to. As I go to conferences, I have many parents say, "Well, I just plug you in my ear, I turn you on, and 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 then you know I just listen." <laughs> so, and we appreciate that. Um, so, so thank you for joining us as well. And this broadcast was um, um, just put on. Um, by viewers like you who have donated to us at Sped Homeschool. We are a 501c3 nonprofit, and um, just thank you for your donations um, that support um, this broadcast to keep happening. It support our website and um, all the other outreach um, things that we do at Sped Homeschool. So, um, so next week is the last week that we're going to be focusing on this topic, and we're going to talk about your homeschool choice still, but we're going to talk about schedule choices and just how you can mix up that homeschool schedule depending on the needs of your child. And so my guest is gonna be kind of diving into that. So I hope you can join me then for, for that. Um, and, and then we'll, we'll um, be moving on to a new theme after that. But um, thank you everybody. Um, Liesl, or Rochelle says, we appreciate you too. Um, thank you. So, all right. Well, thanks, everybody. Have an awesome rest of your week, and we'll see you right here next time on Empowering Homeschool Conversations. See you then. Often we believe our questions mean we don't have faith, but I believe Jesus loves our questions. Our questions are windows into heaven. I'm Caden Fabrizio, and on the Questions with Caden podcast, we ask and answer one question per episode as relevantly and biblically as possible. Questions about fear, anxiety, depression, addiction, and so much more. Don't worry. Your questions, they're not going to scare Jesus. So ask away. Listen and subscribe now at lifeaudio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.